good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is your captain speaking. Uh, we're just about ready for takeoff now, so, uh... Shit, everybody move now. Go, go, go. Inside, everybody inside. To the stairs, quickly. Everyone head to the roof. The helicopter's waiting there. Go, go. No, no. No, you're lying. That, that's what demons do. They lie to cause men of God to doubt. I'm not telling any lies now, Father. I can feel it in your soul that you know what I say is true. There's so much blood everywhere. Where be the rest of them? I... I can't tell. What is doing this, Mr. Simon? That couldn't have been done by no man, I swear it. I don't know. I don't know. From the minds of true crime guys comes Sandu Stories. Our brand new channel devoted to our previously Patreon-exclusive content, where we'll be bringing you our own version of true crime what-ifs and other audio dramas, one season at a time. Join us wherever you get your podcast on February 7th. Now, let's get strange. I can feel your fear growing and your faith dwindling. It's an intoxicating feeling. February 7th. Back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Warren. And I'm Michael. We're back. Ready to do some more uh, female killer. Four in a row. Yes. We did uh, another Patreon. I mean, we yeah. did another female killer on Patreon last week, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Magdalena Solis. Yeah. The uh, High Priestess guys, of Blood. Yes, the High Priestess of Blood. We did a blood, blood cult on Patreon. Shocker. That's right. So you missed the cult shit if you're not on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash True Crime Guys if you want to get in on that. Yeah. But we are back. With yeah. another female killer. Man, we're on a roll. The title of Gang Mom, if that doesn't uh, entice you and make you want to understand right. what's going on here. <laughs> and you just don't belong on this feed. I don't know what to tell you. Right? Gang Mom is the best title we could have come up with for this. Well, we ripped it off from the book, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I was just I'm just going to say we came up together. with it, Michael. We're going to get an email, a nasty email from the author <laughs> of the book. That <laughs> yeah, was such a brilliant title you came up with, Michael. Yeah. So clever. <laughs> um, hey. This is a case. This is a case suggestion, by the way, from Steve G on Instagram, who slid right into on. our DM DMs with uh, this case suggestion. Thank you. It was a quick turnaround too. I think he messaged us like last week, like, "Hey, hey, you guys should do this case." And we're like, "Yeah, we don't got one yet, so fuck it." There you go. Sometimes it's all about the timing. That's right. It's all about the Life timing, like we always say. Timing's everything. Yeah. yeah. But we did use a case or a book for this case. Uh, it's on Audible. If you are more of an audi- audio based book person like myself mm-hmm. the book it's is called gang hours. mom yeah about five hours but you can talk pretty slow so you can at, at least 2x that bitch there was times where i was 3x in it whoa but you really gotta you really can't like have any distractions you have to zone in and just yeah. listen <laughs> yeah three times dude i don't think i've ever yeah. listened to a book on three times that's booking it yeah it is no, yeah, no pun intended <laughs> no pun intended that yeah. is booking it so the book is called gang mom uh, mm-hmm. the evil mother whose gang secretly preyed on a city and Dang it, I forgot to re- put the author's name on the crime line. Hold on a second. The oh, author, no. We got to know we, the author's name. Who we stole the name of this episode from. And there's also is, some really good uh, videos on YouTube, too, if you guys want to yeah. check them out. There's some pretty good pretty good descriptions. There's also an interview with the victim's mother that I found very insightful <clears throat> on yeah. YouTube. So. Fred Rosen is the author of the book. Okay. Right on. Right yep. on. And I don't know why, but we've just been female killers every week. This makes four straight. Maybe next yeah. week we'll get back to the men. I don't know. Let's but. just do a whole year of just female killers. <laughs> the year of the witch. <laughs> right? What do they say? It's it's a woman's world moving forward, right? So here yeah. we go. Let's let's right give on. them. Let's show them all the bad ones. Yeah, True Crime Girls. I think is already a podcast. It's already taken, or else we could switch it. Ugh, damn it! Damn. <laughs> all right. Let's get into it. Let's do it, man. So I had woke up on the Monday morning listening to somebody screaming and I thought Aaron had fallen asleep on the couch. 
with the TV left on, which he does often. So when I got out to the living room, there was nobody there. And then I still heard his girlfriend at the time. She was in his bedroom and she was screaming that somebody had broke into his room and popped him is what she said. And when I found out that it was more than just that, because uh, there was blood on his bed and stuff and uh, got my phone, which back then, you know, you could get phones with 50 foot cords. So I brought the phone all the way into his room and we called 911. And later on that morning, we found out that he had been shot at the back of the head. They had no idea who was responsible. They just thought, what, who would have come in there and, and shot this young boy for no apparent reason? 65250 and hair down to his waist. He was a, a helper of all. All right, for our case this week, we are going up to Eugene, Oregon, where a murder occurs. And this would be on the morning of October 3rd, 1994. A hysterical mother calls 911 to report that her son had been gravely injured and was bleeding from the head. She didn't realize that her son had been shot in the head. She came into the room to the son's girlfriend, hysterically crying and whatnot. Right. Um, and they see that, you know, her son's head is bloody and it appears he's been, she thought he'd been beaten over the head with something. Mm. Upon their arrival, first responders found 18-year-old Aaron Itura injured in bed but still breathing. Paramedics rushed into the hospital while officers began to investigate what they now seen as a shooting. They realized that he had an entry wound and an exit wound on you know each side of his head. He'd been shot in the back of the head, and the bullet had gone out of his forehead. Mm. And this was not a bludgeoning. This was a murder, basically, a shooting. Authorities quickly determined that someone had used a 38 caliber gun to shoot Aaron in the head. They were also able to recover a piece of a bullet. The gun itself was nowhere to be found, though. So they found a piece of the bullet. The gun's mm -hmm. gone. There was no signs of a break-in, and nothing right. valuable had been taken, it seemed. Not to mention his girlfriend laying in bed beside him, left mm -hmm. unharmed. Yes, so clearly so, a targeted attack, very right? Very targeted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no other way you can you can, uh Can't slice it up any other down. way, right? Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, he wasn't alone in bed at the time. His girlfriend had been sharing the bed with him and was unharmed. Um, and the fact that this is a quote from the assistant DA, Steve Skelton, he said, the fact that one person uh, wasn't shot and the other was indicates that there's a, a motive to single a person out, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. And police would begin their inter interviews with Aaron's mother, Janice Itura, who explained that Aaron had gone into his room the night before with his girlfriend. And I believe he lived in, a, in the garage of the home as well. And so... Okay. Whoever came after him had to, had scouted this out, known where he slept, and been able to enter the home quietly in the middle of the night and not break anything in the process getting into the home either. Now, hmm. I know Aaron's girlfriend liked to sleep with the window open because she liked fresh air or whatever. That, right. that ended up being the mode of entry was the window was already unlocked and open, and so they just came through the window. Oh, I heard different. I heard that they were able to come through an unlocked door in the garage. Okay, well. Interesting. Yeah. You, you, different sources and different uh, theories, I guess you get, but. Yeah. They yeah. could have escaped through the window, something was a, Something was clearly unlocked because there was no uh, forced entry into this place. Right. Um, it wasn't until 1.30 a.m. that anything out of the ordinary had happened. Um, and this is according to Aaron's girlfriend. She said she heard, uh, or no, actually Aaron's mom said that she heard screaming coming from Aaron's room. When she rushed there, she found him bleeding and, and an apparent gash to his head, and his girlfriend was freaking out. Um, Aaron was the oldest of five children, and he was a gentle giant standing at six foot five, 230 pounds. Um, wow. His father was uh, Native American and actually still lived on a reservation. Part of why uh, his parents didn't stay together is he was unwilling to leave the reservation. His mother didn't want to live there uh, mm -hmm. forever. Um, he was someone who often looked after his younger siblings while his mother worked two jobs to support the family. Yeah, so she was obviously, you know, super busy and needed Aaron's help. Her oldest um, right. always came through for her. He did have some run-ins with gangs as a teen, but largely rejected them and actually became a crusader against them. And that becomes a big part of this story. Um, he was also an aspiring artist, um, and no one knew, that, you know, of any, any enemies that he had at the moment. Right. Um, his mom recalled, he was the protector. He watched out for everybody. Um, and 
his mother and him were best friends. Weeks before the incident, Janice had separated from his stepfather and she had leaned on Aaron during this time. So he did have a stepdad that was around for a long time and they just recently split up a few weeks okay. before, before this incident. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, a lot more of the responsibility had fallen on his shoulders at that point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the oldest child, especially, and he's already the size of a man, that's for sure. Six five two thirty. Yeah. Yeah, he's he was willing to step into those shoes, I'm sure. Yeah. And also that speaks to the f- speaks a little more to the the fact that you know he didn't have any enemies. Yeah, I bet not. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Nobody that enemies? Yeah, and apparently he did, but they, you know, rather than chose to uh choosing to take him on head on, they sneak into his room and shoot him while he's sleeping, of course. Right, of course. A really yeah. cowardly move. Absolutely. So after a night in the hospital, Aaron, whose scans showed no brain activity, would be taken off life support um, and his organs would be immediately removed and utilized to save others' lives. You know, his mother recalled that he had told her that if, you know, if he died before her, that he would like his organs to be used to save others' lives. So Right. It's unbelievable that that he was uh, still breathing that long. I mean, a shot to the back of the head, out the forehead, Mm -hmm. and yet you were still breathing for the whole trip to the, to the hospital and enough to preserve these organs. That's kind of incredible, isn't it? I mean, it is, it is, but yeah, I mean, the brain is so complex. I mean, it just, I guess ultimately depends on what part it went through. It obviously, there was nothing left of him, you know, his personality or anything like that. It was, he was basically a vegetable, but his body, his autonomic nervous system was still operating and still pumping blood through his body and doing their job. Yeah. It's pretty crazy really is so the police investigation into his shooting officially turned into a homicide case and police would speak to his girlfriend of course the person closest to him at the time of his his uh, shooting Um, and after testing her hands for gunpowder residue they were able to rule her out as a suspect as she began recounting what happened to Aaron when he before he was shot she said that an unknown woman this is creepy so that night before they go to bed an an unknown woman had called the house to ask if Aaron was home Mm -hmm. and after uh, Aaron's girlfriend responded, yes, the, the phone was hung up. So this person just basically was doing roll call, checking to see if he was home. Oh, shit. Clearly had yeah, to have had something to do with this, right? Absolutely. That's too yeah. much of a coincidence. Way um, too she, much. She then described the shooting in more detail. She said she woke up after hearing a gunshot and believed that she had saw two males with their faces covered with bandanas. Um, mm. So every, everything's lining up. Now they know they have multiple suspects as well. Yep. And so police would begin to dig into the anti-gang activism that Aaron was doing. We mentioned that he was, you know, he was crusading against gang violence and things like that as a big part of his life. Uh, Yeah. And suspecting that he maybe made some dangerous enemies in that way. It's not a far jump to make there for investigators. How could this not have had something to do with that? Right. And the gang activity was seriously on the rise. We're talking mid-90s here in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently, yeah, it was just blowing up in this small town of Eugene. Mm-hmm. Um, they found that he'd been working with another with with another local activist named Mary Thompson, a mother known for speaking out about the harm gangs had done to her family and the community. Two days after Aaron's shooting, the completed autopsy revealed that Aaron had died from a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. The bullet, as we mentioned, had exited out of his forehead, and the community was desperate for answers. Aaron's mother was left to grieve the sudden death of her son. However, police soon came across new information that shed light on an unexpected relationship in Aaron's life. Aaron had been hanging out at the time of his death. He'd been hanging out frequently with a 16-year-old boy named Bo Flynn, who coincidentally was Mary Thompson's son. So we mentioned how he was connected to this Mary Thompson person. She was involved right. in the anti-gang movement as well. She was kind of the leader in Eugene, Oregon, of um, anti-gang behavior. She was doing seminars right. and all of this other stuff. We'll talk more about that. But she had a son named Bo Flynn, who was 16, who Aaron had been frequently hanging out with and much because of Aaron Thompson pushing Aaron to hang out with Bo to keep him on the straight and narrow, basically. Yeah. I, um, this, 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 these instances never go well. It's like, it, it just sucks when a parent puts another, a child who they wish would rub off on their child. Yeah. You know, but they don't think about it. Sometimes it goes the other way, way, right? (laughs) Yeah. They don't think about, you know, their horrible child because they're a parent, you know, rubbing off on this, this other person or putting someone innocent in danger. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I don't know. There's bad seeds and sometimes it's your fault as a parent. Sometimes. 
Um, so Tom, uh, Mary Thompson had actually asked Aaron to keep a close watch on Bo and help him stay out of trouble because Bo had really gotten deep into this gang behavior. Um, he even had like a, a gang name and he was one of the founders of this, this local gang that was uh, caught wreaking havoc in Eugene. Yeah. Granted, it's still like it's some like white kid shit. It wasn't uh, they took a name from a, sou- a southeast L.A. gang and made it theirs in Oregon. And, and I don't know. I mean, no, that's not to take away from the criminal activity they were doing. They were but about to say, I mean, they're shooting people in their sleep. This is pretty. It, yeah, it, they didn't really pose this murder. That's for sure. Yeah, they went through with this shit. Yeah, so Mary's asking Aaron to keep a close eye on her son, Bo, and unfortunately, he was unsuccessful in that venture because three weeks before he was shot, um, Aaron and Bo were hanging out together when they encountered a group of teens, one of whom had history with Bo. An altercation ensued, and Bo Flynn pulled out a knife on the other teen, cutting him and landing both himself and Aaron in jail. It's kind of what you were talking about. Sometimes it ends up with you know, the kid you're trying to keep your kid straight ends up getting going down for some shit because of them. Also, what's really frustrating about this whole encounter is, I don't know, I, I can't tell really by the, the pictures that you can find of Bo Flynn online, and if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can see, but he's, he looks like a pretty big boy. Also, mm-hmm. Aaron, 6'5", this teen that they attacked was 14 years old. 14 years old. So you have yeah. a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old, and you, cho- and you decide the only way to deal with this threat is to stab him? Mm-hmm. It's like just the extreme violence that they resorted to immediately just lets you know what kind of person Bo is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you could have just, I mean, even if this kid was um, threatening you or threatening violence or whatever, you could beat the shit out of them. You're two freaking mm-hmm. giants. Like what? I just don't understand this situation, man. It doesn't seem as though Aaron helped at all, to be fair. I don't know what, no, obviously no, we, didn't. obviously we weren't there. He goes down because but, he's, he's there and he's a part of it and he's an accessory. You've watched yeah. enough he, true crime stuff over the years to know that if you're at the scene of a crime with the person who you're in the car with someone, when they shoot at someone, you're going down too. That's how it works. Yeah. But, and also his presence being the big intimidating person that Aaron was, his presence probably bolstered Bo to be more aggressive. Well, Sometimes sure you'll did. see I'm that. I'm sure it you'll, did. I'm sure yeah, it did. You'll see some guys, like they talk a lot of shit when their friends are around, especially if yeah. they're big dudes. And then when they're by themselves, it's a different story. Maybe this yeah. doesn't even happen if Aaron's not there. I'm not I'm not blaming him at all. I'm just saying Bo used him yeah. in the complete opposite way that his mother thought he was going to. Yeah. Well, this lands them both in jail. And following the incident, Aaron decided uh, because he didn't have anything, you know, he didn't take part in the stabbing. He didn't want Bo to do that. He decided he would testify against Bo in the case, which could potentially land uh, Bo Flynn in a four-year sentence behind bars. And this is leading up to Aaron being shot. So obviously you can tell there's a connection here. He's going to testify against a kid. Right. And... uh, put him behind bars and now he gets shot in the middle of the night. Well, I mean, I would too. I'm 18 years old. I'm going to get tried as an adult. You know what I mean? Like Bo's only, Bo's only 16. He's not even going to be tried as an adult. Like it's like, you you can just, you can totally understand Aaron's point of view here. And Aaron didn't want to be a part of this. He didn't want to be a part of this from the start. He's like, I'm not going down. I'm not going to adult prison. (laughs) Because you wanted to stab some fucking homie in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Not a chance, man. Yeah. Not a chance. So now police are starting to put this together. Obviously, this had to have had something to do with him getting shot. Um, Aaron was due to testify mere days before he was killed, and police began to wonder if Bo had something to do with Aaron's death. However, he was in jail at the time, so it couldn't have been him. You know, he was in jail awaiting their trial or whatever. Right. Um, and so the police went to visit uh, Bo while he was in jail, and um, Bo maintains his innocence, and because police had no evidence suggesting otherwise, they were forced to look elsewhere for suspects. Um, So during the course of their investigation, investigators caught wind of two teens, uh, Jim Elstad and Joseph Brown, who were overheard bragging about killing Aaron, about the shooting. Mm. That's the thing about these just, these, these young juvenile teen gang members, right? They just they they can't do shit and not talk about it. They gotta they fucking brag about it. Yeah, yeah. It's nowadays the they're posting in. this shit on fucking Snapchat, dude. Right. Like, it's all these it's illegal the, weapons they got. It's like it's okay. the world we live in, Lauren. You know that if you're not sharing yeah. it with somebody, it didn't happen. Yeah, just like if you like gave money to homeless or like donated or something. Yeah. If you didn't if you didn't post it on social media, what's even right? the point? 
You didn't video yourself going and buying that homeless man a new pair of Nikes? What did exactly. it even happen? Right. God, what are you doing it for? Mm-hmm. Goodness of your heart, asshole. Right. <laughs> so these two were bra- caught bragging about killing, uh, you know, killing Aaron, and they were known to spend a lot of. They already had a connection um, to Mary Thompson, who mm-hmm. also had a connection to Bo who also had a connection to Aaron. It's all coming together. The spider web, you know, whiteboard mm-hmm. you picture in the detective's office. Yep. Um, Elstad and Brown were known to hang out at Mary Thompson's house. And Thompson often took kids in who were involved in violent lifestyles. She was this, she was playing herself up to be this bridge between gang, gang youth and mm-hmm. law enforcement. She was playing both sides. She was in tight with law enforcement, also in tight with a bunch of gang members. Right. And like bringing them together, I guess. But We'd come to find out she was like the leader of the gang. <laughs> it was yeah. just batshit crazy. She could blend in wherever she was. A lot like uh, the chameleon killer yeah. right, that we covered a few weeks yeah. ago. Master yeah. manipulator, this woman. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> so absolutely. She, she admitted to keeping that bit of information from police. The fact that she you know, hung out with these two killers and mm-hmm. also the fact that her son was Bo Flynn. She didn't come clean about that right away. The police found that out on their own. Right. Um. She uh, claimed to have done so because she hadn't believed them at the time. And this is, she didn't believe them because they had already come to her like the morning after the murder and basically told her what they had done. And she actually drove with them to get rid of the gun uh, in the water of the bridge or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, she justified all this by saying, like, you know, if you push back, uh, you know, if you push back against this type of behavior, the kids are just going to rebel and mm. leave. So you have to kind of meet them halfway. It's like, or enable uh, is yeah, another enable. word for that. <laughs> you are yeah. enabling them. We've like, all watched intervention, right? There's always some fucking shithead mom or aunt or somebody that just yeah. like keeps feeding them pills or whatever it is that they're into. Yeah. Without that want- enabler, they're too pathetic to go like fix them, you know, yeah. too pathetic to go get the drugs they need or whatever half the time. Yeah. And, and they'd be forced to get clean. And that enabler will do anything for that relationship, you know? Yeah. Whereas like, you know, a, a single mother who wants to keep a good relationship with her older son you know, might go yeah. to crazy extents like this. But I think she was doing this for herself. Oh, 100%. This yeah. is like breaking we'll bad out. shit. She was obsessed yeah. with like the feeling it gave her, the power yeah. that she had. She's she's the hero to the community. And then she's also like cool with the gang. Yeah. And she's she's more like a, something. Yeah. She's more like Gus from uh, yeah. Breaking Gus Bad. Green. Yeah. True. She's more yeah, like she Gus had a better Green. public image, right? Yeah. Much better. True. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, so uh, these two that uh, were bragging about the murder, Elstad and Brown, were called in for a police interview. And while they initially maintained their innocence, they cracked pretty quickly after being given polygraph tests and failing them. Hours later, the pair both confessed, um, Mm -hmm. and they found out the story that Brown was the lookout while Elstad was the one who pulled the trigger. But this story that they tell lines up with the girlfriend, you know, them wearing bandanas and both being in in the room. Right. Um, and they claimed that they had done it because they were angry with Aaron for agreeing to testify against Flynn, uh, Bo Flynn. So basically well, exactly what you'd expect. He was yeah. going to testify against their friend or whatever. But they also, I mean, it's hard what? to imagine Mary not playing a role in this. I mean, did oh, they get a, did they get a nudge or a nice shove to go kill Aaron? So oh, that, definitely. you know, Mary's son, Bo, wouldn't go yeah. down. Yeah, they're not putting this together on themselves and just being like, Bo's such a good friend of ours. We should go kill right. the one witness. Thank you. Yeah, no, 100%. That's, that's not happening. So Elstad and Brown were arrested in October, and it seemed like the case was coming to a close. However, things took a strange turn after Aaron's mother received a call from Mary Thompson, um, who was close to the family and who had been supporting them during this time. During that phone call, Thompson told Janice that Aaron would have never been killed if he had just kept his mouth shut. Why make this phone call? Just because you want to taunt her you want to taunt her yeah because like you said earlier you enjoy being the badass you enjoy yeah this is a rush and she just like the kids that were bragging about killing aaron right same exact thing she can't just keep it to herself it's she she has to boast about it Mm -hmm. she i mean what's good once again what good is being a gang member if you're not going to brag about the shit you do you know that's right point in it (laughs) that's the whole point she wanted people to fear her she absolutely did she got off on it and so Janice, whose son who was just killed and now has this woman who she thought was a friend and confidant and they were in the part of the same mission and whatnot, is calling mm-hmm. to boast about how if her son had just kept his mouth shut, he would be still alive. 
She says, quote, I'm just like, did I just hear her say what I think I heard her say? <laughs> and so, of course, she uh, reported this strange statement to police who already had their suspicions about Mary. Yeah. And so they would call back Mary for questioning, um, intending to find out why she kept valuable information uh, from them early in the investigation. Like the fact that she had already had the two killers come to her home the next morning and tell her what they had done. And then the fact that she took them out to get rid of the gun. Yes. Um, she's clearly a part of it, even if even if they couldn't prove that she commissioned them to do it, made them do it. She still helped them get rid of the weapon. She knew what they had oh, yeah. done, and she didn't go to police immediately. So nonetheless, she she has to get jail time for this. Absolutely. And it is confirmed at this point by both of the boys' testimonies that they were in a, a gang with her son. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, she has yep. so much to gain from this murder. So yep. much. So although Thompson admitted to being angry about Aaron uh, working with prosecutors, police had no evidence against her and were forced to let her go initially. But they were not convinced of her innocence and began to dig more deeply into her past. And they discovered that she had quite a troubled history. And this <laughs> yeah. is where we'll go into Mary Thompson, who actually was born uh, Mary Faulkner. Okay. Kind of kind of a meet the parents type last name there. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's pretty edgy. <laughs> Faulkner. Mary Fokker. <laughs> uh, Mary Fokker, damn it. Uh, she should have so, just kept that last name. So Mary Fokker was born on November 23rd, 1954 in... Massillon, Ohio. She shares a birthday with Miley Cyrus, or I like to call Smiley Virus, and John oh. Schnatter, aka Papa John, who's one of my favorite characters ever. Papa <laughs> John? No one's no one had a larger fall from grace than John Schnatter, Papa John. <laughs> you ever see this the way he fell apart? He got like he did you ever hear about how he got canceled and all that stuff? No. You seem like you're just completely oblivious to the whole I John am. Papa John story. It's it's quite a ride to go down. He's on top of the world. You know, he's in every commercial. Papa right. John, the big smile and all that. Yeah. Well, Better he was Better in some sort, of a, some sort of a behind the scenes Papa John's work meeting and was dropping the N-bomb and was like, oh, yeah, there was like audio. I think there was audio of it that got put out there and whatnot. It was like a phone call. And oh, uh, Jesus. anyways, he got canceled and then he just fell apart, just completely fell apart. Like now there's like there was like interviews of him like a year later after that, after he'd been canceled and he was just like double the size and like meat sweats and was just like, I've eaten five pizzas a day ever since. And the quality, <laughs> he was basically complaining about Papa John's falling apart ever since his absence because the quality control is not there. He's like, I've eaten five Papa John's and they're not the same. It's <laughs> a complete mess. Oh, it's so fun. Who did they get now? Who is their spokesperson? Isn't it like Shaq or somebody? Oh yeah, you know what? Shaq, yeah, I think you're I think right. it is Shaq. Shaq owns, Shaq owns a bunch of Papa John's. He, he owns, like, oh. he, he's like a, a chain store member. Like That's hilarious. Song. Yeah. I'm glad Anyways, they put Shaq in there. Bro, That's you got to, you got to, we almost could do an episode on Papa John. So there was no one more famous than Papa John to put in here? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was by far my favorite option. I mean, there were some people in there. It was like politicians I'll, and shit. Fuck them. I was about to say, sometimes I like to look at the birthday just to see which ones you pick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the ones that matter. People. Smiley Virus and John Schnatter. Smiley Virus. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyways. I'm terrible. Yeah. So, um, her mother, so she was born in 1954 and, okay. uh, she was born in Ohio and obviously ends up in Oregon much later. Her mother, Ethel Fokker was, it's Fokler. Sorry, but I just can't yeah. stop saying Fokker. I know. That's uh, hilarious. She was a nurse with three children. She already had a 12 and 17 year old set of boys and a 16 year old daughter at the time of Mary's birth. And this was a complete accident. Um, having Mary, she had wrongly assumed that she was too old to have any more children. Mm -hmm. And life will play a sick joke on you if that's what you think. Right. And then also this, oh man, the, the young, we've, we've done quite a few cases where the killer or the troubled person is the youngest by far in their yeah, family. And spoiled, right? And spoiled and mm -hmm. also left to their own devices a lot more yes. because yes. the parents DuPont, John older. DuPont. Mm -hmm. John DuPont comes to mind and then yep. the jinx Robert Durst doesn't he it was not a similar situation where he was uh, kind of lonely his whole life yes. right like had all this he, money and was just bored yeah I think he had like parents that were that were pretty, much older right yeah much older when they, when he was born so yep. they kind of left him to his own devices not to mention all the money yeah and of course the older you are typically the more comfortable financially you are mm -hmm. typically yeah you know yeah so. Her father was a steel worker at a local mill, and Mary, by all accounts, was spoiled. This is according to herself, according to her siblings. 
Um, and this is a quote from Mary herself about her childhood. She said, quote, I remember one time the ice cream truck was coming and my father asked me what flavor I wanted. I said, strawberry, blueberry, and banana. And he got me all of them. Um, and then like when her brother tried to like ask if she could have a little bit, she just screamed and obviously got her way. Um, oh. as a teenager, her mother, she had her mother completely fooled as well that she was this perfect angel. And her mother, uh, for one of her birthdays bought her a red sports car. Something wow. tells me the older siblings didn't get that, you know? No, probably not. They're yeah. probably pissed. <laughs> yeah. Her older sister but, couldn't fucking stand her. She t- <laughs> she, she testifies against her in a minute. I, I shit you oh, not. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can see that. I can see yeah. that. But like I said, the parents are in a completely different mindset by the time yeah. she's born. Yeah. And uh, the story of her older brothers is pretty tragic. We're going to get into that right now. So in 1960, yeah. it turns out there's another murderer in this group of uh, siblings. Yeah. In 1967, Mary's older brother, Bobby, walked into the pizza place where his wife worked, pulled out a gun and shot her dead. And he was actually driven there by her other older brother, Joel. Um, yeah. So they, the two of them drove to this pizza joint and uh, killed Bobby's wife. And, and so was, he was... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, fun fact, it was actually a Papa John's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I've eaten five pizzas today. These are not the same. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, so... Yeah, not, so he's put away for murder the following year. Um, mm-hmm. And not long after that, there was a riot at Bobby's prison that was broadcasted over the news. And fearing for his son's safety within the prison, um, Mary's father had a heart attack during this, and he would die a week later. A month after that, Mary's older brother, Joel, who had been the one to drive Bobby to the pizza place on the night of the murder, filled with guilt about his brother's conviction and his father's death, uh, because of the conviction, tried to kill himself by shooting himself in the chest with a rifle. However, his shot wasn't fatal, and instead it hit his spinal cord, leaving him paralyzed from the waist down. Oh, my God. Quite a, quite a run with your family there. Your brother kills his wife, goes to prison. Your father has a heart attack because of it, and then your, brother tries, your other brother tries to kill himself and ends up paralyzed. Ends up something worse than death. Yeah. Wow. Mm. God, that's worst-case scenario for a suicide, isn't it? No, I've heard of much worse. I mean, I, actually, there was uh, someone through my family kind of like extended, like, I don't know. You, you have to go like five, four, I, level, four levels okay. deep, right? Like okay. my nieces, what was it? My nieces, somebody's uncle, whatever. Anyways, okay. tried to kill himself, shot himself in the face and lived. That's pretty bad. Mm. Like kind of like half there now, like damaged his brain and things like that. Oh, shit. Yeah, pretty bad. Anyways. I know a guy. I know a person who tried to commit suicide through the abdomen as well. Tried to shoot like in the the bottom of the chest, like up through the heart, and it went straight through, punctured one of the lungs, came out the back, and did no damage other than just a terrible scar and a reminder. Like it's like a huge hole in his chest, and then like he has reduced lung capacity. But that's it. That's it. And per- is he happy fine. that things worked out the way they did? Last time I talked to him, yeah. He was probably wow. in, he was like in his late fifties, early sixties. I, I came I across think, a, a, a guy on Instagram who's pretty popular, who is a suicide survivor and he's very outspoken about, you know, mental health and all that stuff and made it, turn it into a major positive, obviously. Yeah. But like same thing with the one I was talking about, his face, like half his face is clearly, he tried to shoot himself in the face. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. Get help if you you know if you're struggling like that. Obviously, absolutely, please. <clears throat> so Mary, the spoiled uh, kid, as she got older, it only got worse. She began to take advantage of her mother, stealing furniture and passing bad checks in her mother's name as she got older. She tried to go to college a couple times, dropping out and getting in with a bad crowd. Uh, Mary's sister Judy, uh, who you know is much older, sixteen years older, convinced her to get therapy. Uh, she could tell that her her younger sister was trouble. You know, she was going through a lot of stuff. Um, Mary did try to get, uh, help briefly, um, and didn't pan out and she ended up slitting her wrists in a suicide attempt. Um, Judy, her older sister then had her committed to a mental hospital before Mary got a lawyer and got herself released from the hospital. Wow. She then of course joined the army as most of our, uh, suspects or cases do, you know, or the people in our stories. Yep. Um, But that didn't last long. Didn't last long. Uh, she didn't work out. Surprise, surprise. She was released on a psychiatric a psychiatric discharge from the army. Man, someone who's uh, done whatever they want their whole life goes into the army and doesn't like it. Shocker. Yeah. Man. They're not going to give you all three flavors of ice cream you want, Mary. 
No. It's not going to happen. They ain't going to give you none, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Mary then oh. fell in with the Hells, the Hells Angels in the 70s. This is a crazy life. What the it hell? It really is. If you... <laughs> she didn't turn out to be like a ringleader in a, uh, a murder gang, she could have just written an interesting spring. book on her life, really. I know. I know. Yeah. So she was in tie with this, uh, you know, I, I guess it was the Hells Angels. I heard, I just, you know, I don't want to slander anything. Mm-hmm. We've done a whole episode on them, by the way, on Patreon. Yeah. Fun one. Um, so she, she's hanging out with them all the time. And one evening at the clubhouse, uh, she wound up having, having sex, uh, allegedly, with a, a number of bikers. I've heard as many as 32. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, five end up in court because of this. Uh, during uh, you know whatever was going on in this club that night, she was nude. Um, and her dog was, at, was present at the motorcycle, at this, this hangout. And uh-huh. there was another dog, of course. And they got into a fight. And Mary... St- stumbles out in the street after this dog scuffle and she's nude and she's seen by others. And basically it sounds like she was upset with them over the dog situation and just turns it into telling everyone she's been gang raped by this group of bikers. Yeah. Um, now obviously we're not trying to act like any girl that says that is lying, but in her case, she's a habitual liar and yeah. And, uh, she was proven to be a liar in this scenario in court. Right, um, and the way that I envision this scene is like she comes out of the house, the the clubhouse or whatever it mm-hmm, is, right, mm-hmm, nude, and mm-hmm. you're messing with these dogs, trying to separate these dogs. It's like, well, if you were getting raped, wouldn't you just run away? Yeah, wouldn't you? You wouldn't like, be worried about a dog fight. At you're that out point. by yourself, messing on the property with dogs. It's like yeah. if you if you were getting raped, you you would probably leave, especially if you got that much freedom. Yeah. So authorities would uh, listen to her and bring it, bring charges against the accused individuals, which I believe was about five. And okay. they would go to trial for this. And during trial, it became clear that Mary was a manipulator and a liar. And in fact, her own sister testified in the defense of the bikers and called Mary a compulsive liar and a manipulator. Wow. Her own sister. Her own sister. Yeah. That speaks volumes. Yeah. But her sister never did like her, though. So True. So following being exposed for her false rape accusations, Mary Fockler decided it was time for a change of scenery and moved to Eugene, Oregon. Not clear why she chose Eugene, Oregon. Not really that close to Ohio, where she was from. That's Maybe probably that was the why. point. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that was why she just went as far west as she could go. Yeah. Until yeah, she hit, until she like started to hit water. I don't know. Right, right. Um, there sure she it's more would... affordable than California. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, true. Um, so in, in Eugene, she married an older man and obtained a new last name of Thompson, which helped her out because it kind of separated her from her past in Ohio. Yep. She then would have her son named Bo, who obviously plays a large role in this case. Um, and in Eugene, Mary seemingly appeared on the scene out of nowhere and became a staple in the city's anti-gang movement in 1991 after her son Bo had been sucked into that very lifestyle. So it seems like through the 80s, she lives kind of quiet um, as her son's real little. But then as this, her son hits his early teens... Uh, that's, that's when he gets into the gang life and then she takes it upon herself to become a, a crusader against that. Um, yeah. we mentioned um, how Eugene was struggling with, uh, gang violence at the time. I don't know how it is now, but it's, uh, the book talked about its location playing a role in that. The fact that it's, it's right. Uh, the I five runs through it and it connects both Portland and California together. So right. You get a lot of right. major city travel, go through it. That makes sense. Yeah. What were you going to say a minute ago? Oh, I was just going to say it's funny that, uh, you know, right around the time she gets married to this other man, right? She, her name changes to Thompson, mm-hmm. and she has Bo around this time, correct? Yeah. Well, Bo's last name is Flynn. Yeah. So I don't know. who's the daddy? Yeah, because I don't know, man. Most even, likely, even in reading this book, there were some things that weren't entirely clear. Like they weren't she's, explained. A, she's a woman of mystery. I don't know. Yeah, apparently. She, yeah. Had, she had somebody on the side or something, because why would she give... Bo, the last name Flynn. That just, that's not her maiden name even. That doesn't make right. sense. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think she was the most um, the most likely to stay true to a man. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. She wasn't. She wasn't very loyal. Yeah. So, who knows? Who knows uh, where Bo came from as far as like, who his dad is? Right. Right. Um, so yeah, her son Bo, though, by the age of thirteen, had uh, helped to form the seventy-four Hoover Crips. Uh, taking the name Bishop and he landed himself in juvie for various gang related crimes. Um, and quote, Mary was quoted, uh, in the 
community at the time saying, if it could happen to my family, it could happen to yours. And this is when she becomes mm -hmm. the public face of anti -gang, the anti-gang movement in Eugene, right. Oregon. She even gained a close relationship with law enforcement, a detective in the gang unit named Rick Rayner specifically. And mm -hmm. she was appointed as a member of the gang task force with no like actual degrees or anything in criminal justice or anything like that. Yeah, she's and all in. Fact, in. Yeah, and in fact, coming from uh, another state where she was on trial for fake, <laughs> for uh, gang rape accusations that she, you know, she was proven to be a liar in. Right. Because they didn't look into that past. Well, her name had changed too. So yeah. like you said, that really helped her. And in the 90s, they're not looking up this stuff. No. And, uh, and you know, uh, a mother who's concerned about her child, who's going to question that? True. Huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see a picture of her. She looks harmless. She looks she like anyone's mom. Like a librarian really or something. Yeah. Just, yeah. And that's that's the point. That's yeah. perfect. That's a perfect yeah. cover. She looks like a substitute teacher. Yeah, <laughs> substitute teacher that you would take advantage of even. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you'd be wrong because she's sicker boys on you. That's right. <laughs> uh, so she educated herself on gangs. And I mean, apparently she could walk the walk and talk the talk. She knew all the slang. She knew all the different types of guns. Uh -huh. She knew it all. She was living the life, but also, you know, to the, on the police's side, this was helpful for her to get in with them and be able to bridge that gap and give them yeah. this insider info on what are they up to? How are they, what, when they say this, what do they mean? Yada, yada. Right. Yep. And um, you know what they know most importantly, which is nice. She can yeah. kind of keep her, keep her thumb on what the police know about her son and his mm -hmm. gang, gang activity as well. Yep. So she's actively promoting herself to the media as an anti-gang activist and the local newspapers began to call her gang mom. She became like a mom to these individuals, the kids that are, uh, that are, and we're talking about, uh, you know, middle-class kids, boys and girls who were uh, sucked into the gang lifestyle. And, mm -hmm. um, she was, she was kind of bridging that gap. Now, following the murder of Aaron Artura, police began to think that the two teens that killed him didn't come up with this idea on their own, obviously, perhaps they'd had a push from Mary who had something to gain from Aaron disappearing before he could testify against her son. Mm -hmm. And so as they dug into her past, they discovered a lot of things we talked about and some more, they discovered that she'd been involved in criminal pursuits that included selling meth while she was actually working with an assistant to the, those prosecuting drug dealers. She really, really got off on this double life, right? This, this yeah, two faced did. persona thing, you know, like you said, Gus Freen, very much like that where she's yes. a member she's hiding. of, She's helping at law enforcement while also selling meth and yeah. running a gang. She's hiding in plain sight. Yep. She's the perfect definition. And like we, like we just talked about, her, her appearance was so non-threatening. Mm -hmm. I mean, that at first glance, it's, she fooled a lot of people. Yep. For a long Assistant time. DA Skelton said, quote, It was definitely shocking. She was a crime fighter in the community, trusted, and then had engaged in that kind of behavior. You never would have expected that. Police, now suspecting Mary have, may have actually been the one to orchestrate uh, Aaron's murder, began listening into Bo's conversations in the hopes of getting more info. And while they initially believed Bo was the gang leader, it quickly became clear it was actually his mother who had been calling all the shots, orchestrating various crimes with practiced ease. Even more shockingly, during another confession among gang members, Mary referenced having arranged Aaron's murder while threatening someone else. So she's now using Aaron's murder as a means to scare others, saying, you saw what happened to Aaron. Yeah. Don't let it happen to you. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, they're seeing these text messages. They're, they, they tap her phone and start listening to conversations. And it's, she's making like, she's making hundreds of calls in a week. Almost all of them are related to, to criminal activity. She's literally wow. running a criminal enterprise out of her home after, while being a, a, you know, a murder suspect, you know, at yeah. least involved in a murder. <laughs> like I said, it's crazy. It's a lot harder to check phone records back then, though. Yeah. You know, she's still using a landline to do all this. Yeah, likely. but you could tap them, man. They, we already knew that. That was some like... Well, that's true, but you have to suspect yeah. them first. Yeah, well, there's a lot to suspect. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, yeah. eventually. Yeah, so they, they hear all these phone calls and they start to target some of the people that she's communicating with, yeah. some of these gang members, and they arrest a few of them. Obviously, they have plenty to, plenty to arrest them for. Um, and they're holding these charges against them, hoping that at least one of them would turn against Thompson and they got their wish. In exchange for their immunity, one gang member, Lisa, who Mary had taken in years back, spilled everything she knew about Mary, claiming that it was Mary who had influenced the boys to kill Aaron in order to protect her son. Mm. Quote, Mary Thompson was, an absolute, uh, was absolutely a master manipulator. That was demonstrated many, many times. So mm -hmm. the jig's up. Now armed with ample evidence and a witness as well, 
willing to yep. testify. Mary Thompson was finally charged with aggravated homicide in February of 1995. And after pleading guilty to Aaron's murder, Joe Brown was sentenced to 10 years while Jim Elstad was sentenced to 16 years. What's crazy is she was well, she she you know obviously commissioned these two boys to go kill Aaron and then right. she just threw them under the bus too. She immediately like as soon as it was, it was clear that they they connected her to this whole situation to these two boys they were seen you know seen at her house all the time. She's just mm -hmm. like yeah they came and told me that they killed him and I, I was surprised I couldn't believe it. She's trying to just let them take the, the fall for everything. Oh absolutely. Well she's thinking they're minors you know mm -hmm. that's part of using minors in gangs. And gang activity yeah. they know they're not going to serve much time i mean that's that's just a tr uh, you know a strategic yeah. strategic thing that i think gangs do and sh she's someone who's been around gangs for as long as she has yeah. common sense to her you know and all they said at the time i think i think all they said at the time was that uh she kind of she had mentioned something like uh, it would be great if aaron died if, if something happened to him mm -hmm. that was like their story they they said that she didn't directly tell them to do it but that that was that was part of their motivation was like they, uh -huh. their, their gang mom, if you will, this woman who helps them out all the time. Yeah. She wanted Aaron gone. So they took it upon themselves at that point. And there was no reward for this. Not, my, not sure why they would still defend her like that. You know, maybe that yeah. is really how it went down, but nonetheless, she definitely played a role in it. And then she helped them get rid of the weapon and everything else. Or maybe she was running a damn drug enterprise as well and paying them under the table. Oh yeah. All kinds of shit was going on. Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah, so Mary, uh, who pleaded not guilty, of course, she's not going to admit anything wrong, any wrongdoing, no. uh, was convicted nonetheless in 1996 uh, and sentenced to life in prison for aggravated murder. Um, now, they found a legal loophole, her and her attorneys, which saw her sentence get reduced. It had something to do with the verbiage of aggravated murder, uh -huh. some, some loophole, and it, she still ends up serving 23 years, but the moral of the story is she's out. 2019, she was released. And she walks among us as we speak. Yeah, I think it Gang had something mom. to. I think it had something to do with the fact that it was, the case was being held in juvenile court, because they were, because the killers were younger, mm -hmm. and so aggravated murder was not an option in juvenile court. I think that's court. exactly what it was. Yeah, the book explained yeah. it, but it kind of went over my head. Obviously, didn't go to law school. Yeah. So, and like you say, the verbiage kind. It, it's ridiculous, though. If, yeah. if you have a witness killed, I don't care who does it and how old they are, the, the sentence should be carried out to the full extent of the law. Like, I mean, yeah. what does it matter? Someone still died. Yeah. It doesn't matter that a six that 16-year-olds did it. Like, this Aaron is gone. Yeah. I mean. And they knew damn well what they were doing. They were old enough to understand. Absolutely. Damn absolutely. well. That they, what they, that's why they got rid of the gun. That's why they snuck in in the middle of the night. Yeah, they should have been tried as adults. You want to be adults? You want to be big boys in a gang? Then you should be tried that way. Yeah. I mean, that's just... Mm. Yeah. That's crazy, man. It's a crazy story. It's aggravating. And like like, like we said, if you want to know a little bit more about this, there are interviews uh, with Aaron's mom on YouTube, and she really explains the process and what went wrong in the court system because she still is fighting for this these types of things to be changed and to be re-acknowledged in our justice system. It's just one of the many flaws of our justice system. But um, yeah. but yeah, heartbreaking case. Crazy, man. Gang mom. Yeah. Gang mom. But also check out the book on Audible, right? Five hours? Yeah, yeah. gang mom. Check it out. Yeah, check it out. And also, you want to check out our sponsors. That's right. right. Like Oh, oh My Gaia. Gaia. Like Oh My Gaia, which is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while still maintaining effectiveness. And guys, Oh My Gaia, they have tons of scents to choose from. Vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dream sickle, leather, lumberjack... Uh, of course, there's Sweet Pea, Sailor, Barbershop, and True Crime Pine. If you don't know where to start, start with our very own True Crime Pine. And because you're True Crime Guys listeners, you can get 15% off your order at ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. If you follow True Crime Guys on Instagram, a lot of times we'll share stories uh, with Oh My Guy, Lauren's showing you some of the uh, the jars that they come in if you're on the YouTube video right now. and um, Got my product. Yeah, that's right. That's how the product looks. It comes in these perfect size little glass jars. There's also scented oils and beard oils um, in all of these scents. So, guys, you won't regret it. Make a positive 
uh, fresh organic change with your life, for your health, and uh, at ohmygaia.com. And again, use code word CREEPER for 15% off, and that's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Links below the description of this episode, guys. Also, check out our other weekly sponsor, Tonic CBD. Here's a couple of bottles of the product here. Always got to keep some on hand. Um, it's true. Not all CBD products are created equal from how the hemp is grown and processed to how it's formulated and delivered into your body. Every step of the process that goes into making the product affects your ultimate experience with it. That's why tonics products really stand out. Founder Brittany Carbone created her original formulas using CBD adaptogens, herbs, and superfoods back in 2017, and has been working to deliver the most effective, intentional, and sustainable products possible ever since they cultivate their own hemp on their certified organic family farm in upstate New York. That hemp travels only 30 minutes to their state-of-the-art manufacturing and distribution facility where it's turned into a finished product and sent to you, ensuring only the highest quality vibes at every stage of the process. They have a bunch of different blends. As you can see, I've got some chill here, and then I've got some grounded as well. Those are my two favorites. Um, but they uh, yeah, they have a bunch, bunch of different blends that are available. Some of them have ashwagandha, lemon balm, passion flower, um, you name it, black seed oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find which blend works for you. Um, and it's easy to uh, verify the quality of their products too. There's a microchip on the product's packaging. You download an app and tap your phone on there and it'll tell you third-party lab reports. It'll tell you product information, details about the farm, all of the ingredients in it. Um, so with qu- values rooted in quality, integrity, and sustainability, Tonic is committed to creating plant-based wellness products that are good for you and good for the planet. Visit tonicvibes.com to learn more and use code word creeper for 20% off your order. That's tonicvibes.com, code word creeper. Right on, right on. And guys, also check us out on Patreon. Uh, if you haven't yet, patreon.com slash guys. For just five bucks a month, you get access to everything we create, including uh, our vault episodes. Our first 50 episodes are in the TCG vault and are available on Patreon if you'd like to hear how the show began, how it all started, as well as every Patreon exclusive that Lauren, do, uh, Lauren and I do every single month. Um, also, strange and unexplained content, Sandu stories, strange shorts, and so much more, guys. Uh, all on Patreon, waiting for you for less than a price of coffee. And also, check us out on YouTube, uh, True Crime yeah. Guys on YouTube. So go subscribe to our official True Crime Guys YouTube channel. Um, if you're listening on podcast, go check that out. If you're on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube right now, go subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen, so you guys can take us with us, take us uh, with you in the car or wherever you're going. That's right. All right. All right. That's that about, about it. does it. I think we're gonna go do some just the banter for That's the Patreon right. people. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you next week. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was True Crime Garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the Creeper Army We out here making murder True Crime In the desert, we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was True Crime Garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the Creeper Army. We out here making murder charming. From the minds of true crime guys, come. TCG Weekly. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to check out all the other programs on the TCG Network. Every Wednesday, a new episode of True Crime Guys proper, Strange and Unexplained on Mondays, and Full House Fantasy Football on Fridays to start your weekend. And if those aren't enough, head on over to our Patreon account, where you can have access to hundreds of hours of content, including older episodes and other Patreon exclusives like Strange Shorts, Sandu Stories, Higher Thoughts, and The Five Minute Murder Show. But until next time, guys, keep creeping. How do you, how do you shut this thing off? Over? Good luck, y'all.